it's me, Kanisarka. And I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Say what? You you didn't invite me? That's okay. That's okay. I'm so happy to be here. It's all good. I've got so much to tell you. So firstly, I'm a comedian and improviser. And secondly, I'm on a mission with Bumble to find out if romance is dead. That's right. I decided to set upon a journey, digging through the trenches, pulling apart the heartache, eating lots of chocolate, singing love songs at the top of my lungs. And even though this is what my usual Saturday night is, on this quest, I will also be talking to musicians, filmmakers, bakers, wedding planners, psychologists, writers, and more to truly understand what creates that spark. What is romance? What does it all mean? And will love find a way? Sorry, excuse me, can I get a cup of chai? Some chai and biscuits, yeah. <laughs> my name, Kaniz, Kaniz Surka, the full name, yeah, chai. Two sugars, thank you. Madam, our specials today are chicken cordon bleu, quiche Lorraine, croque monsieur, and pain en chocolat. Mmm, that sounds romantic. Madam, Ketchie, Masala Dosa, Ravadosa, Tavabala, Paneer Masala, Egg Papri Chat, Gobi Munchiren, Chai, Kapi. This doesn't sound romantic, but why? In this episode, we're going to dig deep into the special relationship between food and romance. For instance, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about food and romance are aphrodisiacs. Aphrodisiac comes from the Greek word meaning pertaining to Aphrodite, the ancient Greek goddess of love. It acts like a love drug that stirs up your passions or improves fertility. Some of the usual suspects include oysters, chocolates, strawberries, asparagus, figs and so on. And some of the unusual ones are chilies, beetroots and cloves. A lot of this is myth and folklore and no one can say for certain whether it really works. But I know one place where food does create sparks and that is in sexting. Throw in an eggplant emoji and some peaches and you're definitely creating some water emojis. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wink, wink. Now, I'm not an expert in the food department, except for eating. So today I'm talking to celebrity TV chef Ranveer Brar, pastry chef Pooja Dhingra and food writer Roshni Bajaj Sangvi to find out what makes food romantic. Let's start with Roshni. She is a food and travel writer who's been published in Time Out, Vogue, Hindustan Times, Condonas Traveller and The Hindu, just to name a few. I want you to understand what role does food play in romance? You have such a strong connection with food and you experience so much romance with food. And well, according to you, what role do you think food plays in romance? Let's get the most obvious thing out of the way is when we go on dates, we somehow involve some eating and drinking in it because it sort of breaks the ice, gives us a topic to talk about, gives us something to share with somebody, watch them while they're eating. So yes, there is that obvious connection between sort of a romantic alignment with a sort of a potentially sexual partner and wanting to eat with them, right? Or wanting to get them gifts of food or wanting to sort of like ask them about what they like and what they don't like. Like if you're going to be totally non-aligned with me in terms of what we're eating, I don't know where this is going to go. So there's that obvious connection. But food as a subject is very romantic. It's romantic because if you look at everything 
that food touches, right? Like if you talk about the, the basic thing that it, it's your taste buds, you taste the food, anything that you put in your mouth will either, it touches your lips and it touches your tongue. And it sort of gets into every cell of your body and it either nourishes you or it hurts you, right? So if you love yourself, you think about that when you eat. That's at the most basic level. Um, then when you go upwards down the line, you look at sort of where your food comes from and there's romance in nature and there's romance in plants uh, and that's where our food comes from. Or there's romance in sort of gardening and of sort of putting your hands into the source. There's romance in farming. There's romance in the way communities flourish around food because they farm together. If you produce food lovingly, it's more likely to thrive. You know, so there's if any aspect of food involves some amount of romance, you can you can view every aspect from like the beginning of production to the end of no, maybe not the end end of consumption. It's definitely easier to be romantic once you're done with that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because it's so true. Chef Ranveer Bra has hosted numerous travel and food shows on TV and online, like The Great Indian Rasoi, Food Tripping, Station Master's Tiffin, Snack Attack, and was one of the judges on Season 6 of MasterChef India. What role do you think food plays in romance? I think it's the most important part, you know. Um, see, I always say, uh, to get to somebody else, and that's what we all do, Kanis, Right. We are in the business of touching, moving, and inspiring. You touch people, you move them, you inspire them. That's how you connect to people. And if love is the ultimate connect, you know, you got to be able to touch, move, and inspire somebody and get touched, moved, and inspired by them for a really long time, like a lifetime. And this touching, moving, and inspiring for me uh, happens through art. It happens through nothing can touch, move, or inspire you like a performance or a painting or uh, or a musical piece. And for me, the ultimate form of art is food uh, because this is the only art that you're consuming, not just through your eyes and your ears. It's the, it's the only art that is stimulating all your senses and yet becoming a part of you. And for me, it's the ultimate way to touch, move and inspire anybody um, because you know, there's, I always say in Hindi, uh, uh, and th- that's what um, uh, Ayurveda says, that our fingers have five rasas, right? And that's why we cook with our hands, because all those five rasas go into the food. And that's where the word rasoi comes from. Rasoi comes from Rasavati, which is the home of the rasa. And then when you eat with your hands, you're basically not just imbibing the food that is being given to you, you're also imbibing the rasas that have gone through, the intention, the intent that has gone through, the emotion that has gone through, the person who's cooking his fingers through your fingers. And so that's the ultimate connect. And I think in modern parlance, you know, we see a lot of couples who bond over common interests. And food is a really big part of that. Because if a certain food makes the both of them feel a certain way, there is a definite intangible sense of compatibility that already sort of gets accepted. So the more you're engaged and involved when you're cooking it, it'll reflect in your eyes when that other person is eating, you know. 
uh, it shows not just in the food but when it's it's like our moms the joy of feeding it shows in their eyes it's not just the food right it's just the that eagerness to feed and that happens because they're trying a new thing or because they're very involved and the person and and they've been thinking of you when they've been cooking they've not been thinking of themselves uh, so that selflessness is 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 an important part when you're cooking uh, but what really really works is cooking together that is something that is the only way to get all your senses activated you know is either attend a concert together holding hands or watch we together holding hands but that also your t- the sense of taste doesn't get activated when you're cooking together your your all your senses are one and they're getting activated at different points in time from the same thing so you're going through a plethora of emotion some of it general some of it personal at the same time Mama always said romance ain't a box of chocolates and my mama was right there's so much more Being an experienced chef, Ranveer has created a lot of Valentine's Day menus, and I wanted to know, how does he create romance through food? You designed these Valentine's Day menus. What is the thought behind creating a menu with love as a theme? When I do that, I'm sort of driven by triggers. For me, you know, sensory triggers like well-wittiness. sensory triggers like the fall the flow the shine the glisten um, you know the, the the softness words that i associate with love i try and translate that space into my food i try and translate it though the velvetiness can come through a sauce the lightness can come through a froth the comfort the calmness that you feel when you're in love can come through uh maybe a drizzle of of just a little bit of sweetened yogurt so for me that that's what i uh, have learned to to do over the years or have gravitated towards over the years if love is an expression how would love express itself it would express itself in textures in the textures that would be light on the mouth velvety in flavors that would be that would be soft yet flirtatious you know you uh, i'm giving you a little bit of sweet but then i'm flirting with a little bit of pepperiness somewhere uh, and i think that's how my menus pan out it's just expressing that emotion through taste texture uh, flavor so yeah so for me i think uh, this is purely a a philosophy that i have and i think uh, i really haven't been able to crack exactly what is uh, love inducing food you know all my life what has really worked for me uh, with a few girlfriends that i've had is cheese omelet so yeah honestly i mean you know a well made cheese omelet has really really worked for me all my uh, in a few of my relationships that's all that my partner the was saying and we know we don't want your biryani just make us your nice fluffy oozing cheese omelet Cheese omelet now that's a first though i have to admit if i got some of that drippy cheese action i might be inclined for a little romance too if this is what ranveer makes to woo someone i wonder what the perfect dish would be to woo ranveer i don't know why people consider khichdi romantic i absolutely love khichdi 
you know imagine like a like a hot khichdi on a, on a plate with the drizzle of ghee melting over it uh, you know that a little red of pickle oil that that goes on top a little bit of pickle crushed papad falling on it the whole thing getting mixed for me that's romance hey hello khichdi behave yourself ah huh? don't be naughty naughty <laughs> Talking about unconventional food associations, I think the most romantic food is chai bun muska. Mmm, soft, moist buns dipped in sweet tea. When I spoke to food writer Roshni Bajaj Sangvi about her most romantic food, I have to say she surprised me even more than Ranveer did. One of the foods that I find most romantic is chaat. And I think uh, the other sort of three things that will, I say there are four things that are going to kill me in life, like because I am so deeply sort of like, I'll have them anytime, anywhere because I, I love them, um, are chaat, cheese, chilies and chocolate. Yeah. Uh, and that's like my holy sort of like, if I'm having a bad day, eventually I will crave one of these four things. And they will almost unfailingly make me happy. uh within them i have preferences of course but um i think it's a true act of intimacy to be able to go to a chatwala and have pani puri with someone like you don't know whether it's going to explode in your mouth snort out of your nose like you don't know if you're going to be making googly eyes while eating it or you know what's it going to look like when your cheeks are really puffed up and your chin is all scrunched up how's it going to be when somebody sees chutney dribbling down your chin like you know all of that <laughs> it's a it's a very intimate sort of cuisine in general i think it's intimate without sort of like sitting down a candlelit uh, white tablecloth table where sort of the server comes and asks you still a sparkling which i think kind of makes the entire experience a little bit cold i also when all the frills are gone you really see who you are and you get to see know each other so i like that um chocolate for obvious reasons i mean i love my dark chocolate i just everybody likes thinks of chocolate as romantic food when i want to be nice to myself i have like a piece of chocolate cheese i don't think it's because of a european connection i mean to me i grew up loving cheese and chilies because of the endorphin rush man like endorphins basically break it down endogenous morphine right <laughs> no really can you that's what it is it's <laughs> really that much that much endorphins it's like uh, your body creates morphine to deal with the pain of chilies Oh which is why chili heads like me get a rush like a high I think chili's being romantic makes complete sense you want things to be hot and though roshni talks about chili's being a romantic food i notice that when we think about a romantic partner or someone we really love we use terms of endearment like honey sweetie cutie pie Pudding pop, sweetie heart. All of them sound like sugary delights, right? There must be some kind of correlation between sweet foods and love. So I did a little bit of digging and found out that there was a study done in 2018 called Experiencing Sweet Taste Affects Romantic Semantic Processing by two psychology researchers, Wang and Chen, who wanted to understand the impact of sweet taste on romantic behavior. For instance, they found out that participants experiencing sweet taste processed romantic words faster than non-romantic words. 
Another study in 2014 called Sweet Love by Wren found that sweet taste also promoted a greater level of interest in initiating a relationship with a potential partner. So clearly, if I want to turn up the dial in the romance department, I gotta go straight to dessert. Also, I noticed that when we think of the kind of sweets that we associate with romance, it's usually chocolates and cakes, right? But what about laddus, jalebis, and good old pedas? Hashtag justice for laddu. I had a chat with pastry chef and founder of Lair 15 Patisserie, Pooja Dhingra, to find out what she thought about these preconceived notions in the confectionery world. When people are thinking of Valentine's Day or giving romantic gifts, I want to know why people don't use Indian sweets. Why are Western confectionery items seen as romantic items compared to like maybe a laddu or a beda? What do you think it is? Where do you think this comes from? I think that it comes from the fact that, you know, you, you see what you see or what you emulate is, is, is what Hollywood's idea of romance is, which is, mm-hmm. let me get you some flowers and chocolate. So then chocolate becomes like, you know, uh, I would love to, you know, receive gulab jamun. I love it, you know, or Ras Malai. But um, getting a box of chocolate just has a different social implication. Um, and I think that's what, you know, that's what a majority of us we've grown up on. And that's what it, it literally translates to. So I just think it's the influence of, of uh, you know, like just culturally what we've been accustomed to. That's how it's kind of marketed, right? Like that's that's the yeah. message that you get from um, from like chocolate companies, from Western Desserts. Like you know, uh, no one's ever taken mithai and marketed in, in that aspect. But uh, you know, you, you yes, you use mithai for traditional. It's more family gatherings. It's more religious. But when it's uh, an interpersonal relationship, it's mostly you know you're marketed with like send chocolates to your loved ones. So I think that's just the yeah. messaging that we've received. Just to put it in perspective, right, for you, for, in terms of our business, like Valentine's Day is a single, single largest revenue day for us at Love 15. In the last 10 years, Valentine's Day every year gives us our highest revenue, beating Diwali, beating Christmas, beating any other festival. So, um, yeah, just uh, in, in that aspect, you know, you know that giving someone a heart-shaped macaroon on Valentine's Day just would have a lot a deeper impact than, you know, something else I guess and also like chocolates have a very sensual connotation to them don't they is that true am I right by saying that I mean it is considered dark chocolate is considered to be an aphrodisiac they they do have a you know it's it's usually end of a meal dessert if you've seen the movie chocolat it is I mean yes I feel like chocolate's so sensual like it's always been portrayed as a very sensual um like those, remember those Cadbury silk ads where it's like all over their mouths? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you know, you get like chocolate sauce and you get, I don't know, I don't want to get into what people do with it, but yeah. My God, I don't know if all of this food talk is making me hungry or turning me on, but there are funny noises coming from my stomach one way or the other. Anyway, when I think about the kind of cuisines that we associate with romantic love, it's usually French or Italian food. But what about butter chicken or idli sambar or bhengan barta? I went back to Chef Ranvibra to ask him what made different cuisines more or less romantic. 
Here's the thing. When we think about romantic food, we think of French food or maybe even Italian food. Maybe I think about spaghetti because I watched Lady and the Tramp as a child. And for me, that always stuck as romantic food. So why are those certain cuisines associated with romance as opposed to like, let's say, Indian food? I think uh, it's the setting, Kanis. So if you look at uh, movies which in which we see those foods, if you look at French food, you look at those restaurants with low lights and dark wood. And I think it's also the setting. It is not just the food that induces that emotion. Uh, the way our food has come to us primarily is, you know, uh, the first introduction is typically... Here you are, your mom cooked it, she's left it on the table. You get it every day. I think we also, that setting triggers a romantic emotion or a craving or the way it is shot, the way that image exists in our heads. Because ultimately the whole experience is going to stay in your head as a memory. Indian cuisine like isn't, isn't necessarily, you don't really associate romance with Indian food. Uh, maybe one could be the setting. But I also wanted to like, understand like Indian food is actually really essential like you said eating with your hands maybe the spices the chili like it's got all the it's got all the ingredients for romance in many ways why isn't it seen as romantic food yeah yeah it is a little bit of a mindset and it is a it is also a little bit of the fact that we are not we don't cook Indian food in smaller portions so, you know, there's this intimacy of cooking when you're cooking a portion, when you're grilling a chicken breast, when you're, you know, uh, the fact that you always make Indian food traditionally, classically, you always seen Indian food made for 50, for 100. And the romance is the bulk of the big dig of biryani, you know. So you might have a small portion of it. But was that biryani made only for you? Uh, we haven't seen Indian food like that. Other than obviously our mom's making for us, but it doesn't really sit in that same context as we are picking up today in this conversation. A big part of it is because the popular Indian food uh, or the Indian food as it is projected or the royal Indian food or the uh, marketed Indian food has always been bulk cooked. And the beauty of it always has been the big lagans and the big digs. And, you know, when you're cooking for uh, for a few people, when you're cooking uh, for uh, somebody in particular, the emotion that goes into it uh, is very, very different. You know, but in our case, it's very difficult to cook one portion of Indian food. Easy to grill a chicken breast, saute some veggies, put it at the bottom and just do a little bit of a glaze on top. It's very difficult to do just one, just dal good enough for one person. It's going to end up becoming for two, three, four people. Because uh, that's the nature of our food. And because, because we've always seen it like that, you can think of a bunch of people when you're cooking it. Just to think of that one person uh, becomes very difficult. Our romance is bulk. You know, uh, oh, I cooked for 1,500 people and I used 500 kgs of rice. You know, that's how we take pride in our food. Which is fine, but but it's just it's just different animals, I guess. In terms of cuisines that are romantic, the Italians will always be known for their romance. So there's that. The French will always be known for their romance. Um, in India, I think uh, Mughal and royal cuisines tend to have a little bit more romance attached to them. Like the Nawabi cuisines also are very uh, considered deeply romantic. You know, Kubani Kamita, for example, such a beautiful dessert, like very romantic. 
it's I still do think it's very individual, but cuisines like Italian, French, Persian, uh, Nizami, all of those have had romance attached to them because they have the sense of ritual and they have the sense of specificity when it comes to the right ingredients and you know perfection of technique, uh, the kind of attention to detail that's paid to you know preparing something. And I think in that effort of sourcing well, preparing well, putting the time and effort in uh, making it with love, uh, imbues the food with romance. That was Roshni telling me a little more about romantic foods within the Indian context, which brings me to an important topic we have to talk about. Indian weddings, where we find massive buffet spreads with pasta counters, chart corners, Mexican food, tandoor and more. Weddings are an occasion that celebrates the union of two people. An occasion that should be filled with romance, intimacy and love. When a couple is deciding what should be on their menu for their big day, why isn't romance something to consider? Chef Ranveer Brar explains why. Weddings are supposed to be this romantic day, but when you go there, they serve you literally every cuisine under the sun. I mean, why isn't romance considered at weddings? So I I used to do a lot of weddings. I used to be with the hotels or when I was in Boston, we we had a big catering company and I used to do a lot of weddings. And it's not here. I think in our culture, because wedding is a sort of a coming together of two families, the families and uh, the relatives and, and their families and their relatives and the whole chain continues. It takes precedence over the couple. So I always, whenever I would sit down for these menu, menu discussions, I used to pull the couple on the side and say, hey, you know what? Your dinner's on me, right? I, I know when you sit down, you're going to have different ideas and the family's going to have different ideas because they're worried about uh, their chachas and mamas and their and what will people say and you're you want a romantic dinner for yourself so your dinner i'll cook it separately don't worry about it i'll make it special you know so i always did a special meal for the couple after their wedding and just made it special and had a separate conversation with them about their likes dislikes how they met when they met sometimes it was about the journey that they've had so far if they made in jaisalmer a dish from jaisalmer would start the menu but then that would be a sort of a, a sidekick weddings are celebrations of of two families coming together and and that's what our menus reflect these are celebratory menus they're not intimate at all they are rich joyous happy loud but not actually just the opposite of what intimate and romantic is you know uh, the couple sort of loses precedence and that's for me um, the sad part and that's why we should definitely make it special for the couple well that explains a lot but what about wedding cakes i always remember cutting the wedding cake but never eating it do you think it seems more like a display piece rather than actual food I knew exactly who I wanted to talk to to find out the truth behind the elaborate wedding cake, Pooja Dhingra. What, in your opinion, makes a cake different from like a normal cake? Yeah, so I think you know, wedding cakes in India is 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 actually quite a recent phenomenon for most weddings. Right, you used to have it earlier if you were having a wedding at a church, it would be part of your reception. 
um, you know, then you would, um, uh, you know, save the top tier. The couple would save the top tier and freeze it and have it on their first anniversary. They would gift it to people. Um, now, you know, since we started Love Fifteen, it's been ten years. Um, we're noticing the trends of wedding cakes is is just changing year on year. So, firstly, a lot more people want wedding cakes. So, even if you're having a sangeet or if you're having, uh, you know, a nikah, or doesn't matter what kind of wedding you're having, everybody now suddenly yeah. wants a wedding cake because it becomes a good photo op, right? Like you finish your either like your ring ceremony or something and then the cake is like the center of everything both the families come together you cut the cake you feed it to each other and then you get beautiful photographs as well um so a lot of a lot of people now just want it for the appearance and the way it looks rather than um, you know what's inside it and um, you know people really want to have like giant like the biggest cake we made is about like seven feet it was like seven years wow. Yeah, and like so, and we use a lot of dummy tears inside, so it's not also actual all cake, because nobody is going to make that much cake. So um, you know, people just want it for the appearance of it. So half the cake is actually fake. Oh my god! <laughs> You're like, yeah. I feel like you just revealed a very huge industry secret. <laughs> I mean, it's not a secret. It's it's pretty like you, like imagine you'd waste so much cake if you wanted a really like a seven tier cake. What are you going to do with all of that? <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. On is romance dead? That half the wedding cakes are fake. It's <laughs> breaking news right here. <laughs> now we all know that we're living in the midst of a global pandemic, but sharing food has been a beautiful way to express romance. Like during this lockdown, I started baking cakes and sending them to my friends. Well, not the actual cakes, but I was sending like photographs of the cakes to my friends B- because I kept the cakes for myself. You know what? You know what? Don't judge me, all right? Because expressing self-love is as important. Anyway, I wanted to know if food was still a gesture of love or had it changed. Here's Pooja and Roshni telling me about their experience. During this pandemic, when we can't meet each other, what do you think we can do to express our love? You know, the the very interesting thing uh, that that's happened is when we started the kitchen, our delivery kitchen in July. Uh, we mm. saw that a lot of people were, you know, and we started these small mini cakes and you know small like gift boxes. And we for the mm-hmm. first time, normally people would buy things to consume for themselves, but there was just so much gifting, and there are people uh, calling us, telling us. We haven't seen our friends and family in so long. We just want to send them a small cake. It was really great to see that whether it's uh, you know people that are having Zoom weddings or it's people that are doing um, you know celebrating their birthdays and making sure a piece of their birthday cake is delivered to all their friends and families. I think it's just a way of staying connected. And how do you stay connected through this time? I think um, for us, it's been through desserts, obviously. For me personally as well, you know, when I'm I'm missing a friend and I haven't seen them, I like to think of what is it that they like to eat. Can I make it for them and send it to them? For me, it's been through food, and uh, I think that um, little gestures go a long way, you know, in in times of crisis like this. One of the nicest things I think I feel like, you know, as, as somebody who's so involved with food, is when somebody cooks something at home and sends it over to me because I'm spending so much time in the kitchen feeding a family of five that I lose my appetite from all the handling of the food. So when a friend sort of like sends over, I don't know, like a little bowl of hummus with like you know kakra, like let's forget about the lavash or forget about the sardo, like you know, just send me homemade kakra and homemade hummus, and that's like 
oh my God, I have an appetite again. You know, it like warms your heart. It, it sort of makes you feel like tingly and nice. Here, my better half will, uh, I'll cook for the whole family. And then when I'm done cooking for the whole family and I don't have an appetite, then he'll fix something uh, only for me, which generally involves at least one of those four cheese, chilies, jar, chocolate things. It's, um, it's also like, it's nice to feel cared for at a time when everything is so stressful. And to take care of people long distance is an art. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I got hungry. Too much talk about food. So while I go and find a snack, and I don't mean a cute guy, I mean actual food, let me ask my guest today my most important question. Is romance dead or will love find a way? On some days, romance is dead. For me, for sure, romance has been dead when I have like, I'm sweating away in the kitchen and like a child is crying at my hip. There are moments when you don't think about romance. But I think romance has persisted for centuries. Maybe sometimes you don't find it in the moment that you're living in, but I, love does find a way. I think, I mean, look at us. Look at how far we've come as humanity. Look at our population. Love does find a way. I don't know about romance. I think the definition of romance is changing. Um, the definition of how we express our uh, love is changing. You know, like everything else. I think we don't have that kind of time that we used to have. Like content, everything is becoming 15 seconds. Your expression getting shorter, crisper, quirkier. <laughs> I don't think love can go away because it's just the foundation of everything. No, I don't think so. I don't think romance is dead and I do think love will find a way. All right. Well, this is giving me a lot of hope. So <laughs> when, when will it find a fucking way? <laughs> uh, you just got to work on yourself. Just, just let go. Surrender. It'll be okay. Thank you so much for listening to Is Romance Dead by Bumble India. Come back next week as we continue our quest to explore the things we consider romantic. Until then, be kind to yourself and know that you deserve love no matter what. Download Bumble now and make the first move. I'm Kani Sirka. This is a podcast series by Bumble. Executive producers Alixa Nahar and Georgie Koop. Directed by Mae Thomas. Produced by Made in India. 